Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. In a few moments, I will present part three, the final part of George Lincoln Rockwell's In Hoc Signo Vincis, in audio form for the first time, as read by our own Vanessa Neubauer. But first, let us consider the nature-based political creed of National Socialism, which embraces the masculine spirit, one full and necessary half of human nature, and the place it must have in our society. America's abandonment and the West's general abandonment of nature's laws and lessons is illustrated by a recent U.S. Army recruiting film, and in comparison, the relatively healthy vision of their own military class is illustrated by Army recruiting films put out at roughly the same time by Communist China and post-communist Russia, and not only in the obvious sense that it is men who must sacrifice and go into battle if necessary for the nation, but also in a racial sense. As the most Jewish-influenced society on earth, save for parasitic Israel, America is much further down the suicidal and genocidal road of multiracialism. Watch these brief films, which I'll embed in the text version of this broadcast on nationalvanguard.org, and tell me if you can stop yourself from saying, God help us, at the end. Now, let's take a look at a very different path our nation could take. This last section of George Lincoln Rockwell's In Hoc Signo Vinces is quite personal. In some ways, it is out of date. In some ways, it is incomplete. But its message of symbolism, of sacrifice and mythos, of natural masculine vigor, of literal reconquest of the earth, is powerful and essential. Though we in the National Alliance know from the works of William Pierce that we must now build a new society from the very beginning and not try to save the doomed one, we still must learn the lessons that Commander Rockwell is trying to teach us. These are the words of George Lincoln Rockwell, read by Vanessa Neubauer. Listen. I have risen in two years to a commanding position in the worldwide fight for the white man, starting as a penniless, unknown, and unaided single individual like millions upon millions of others, simply and solely because I have gratefully and lovingly used the precious names and symbols which have been bathed and soaked in such oceans of blood and tears, the swastika and the name of the leader, Adolf Hitler. Temporary and flashy political successes are always easy. It is always simpler and quicker to put pads in one's jacket 
than to build the human muscles to fill the coat by months or years of work and sweat. For 50 years now, there has been a steady rise and fall of right-wing or white man's movements built entirely of pads, by endorsing motherhood and virtue and patriotism, etc., and by avoiding brutal statements of the real purpose of such organizations, which must necessarily be the extermination of the communist Zionist enemies of humanity. Great flocks of skittish patriots, conservatives, and even a few tough anti-Semites could be corralled. But these people are not attracted to such a movement because they are so inflamed with revolutionary zeal that they can hardly be restrained from attacking their tormentors in the streets. Rather, they join the Patriots' societies to relieve their guilty consciences by pretending to fight the Jews and their treason and terror by what they call clever underground methods. They relieve themselves of their pent-up frustration at the tyranny of the Jews and Negroes once a week at a rally, private, of course, and then hurry home happily for another week of profits, parties, and TV. Such mighty mouses are horrified when it is suggested that perhaps they should hand out pamphlets in the street or picket some outrageous example of Jewish communist arrogance. And if one exposes not only the Jews for what they are, but also exposes these political loafers who siphon off the support and energy for a real battle, these heroes reply by howling that one is an agent provocateur, working to get them all crucified as a bunch of quote-unquote Nazis, which, except for their disgusting cowardice, they are. It is not the task of the world anti-Jewish revolution to attract and organize these contemptible sneaks, but to drive them out of the way and out of business, where they will be unable to milk the movement of the tiny bit of available support for useless projects, as they have been doing for years. Nothing accomplishes that task like the swastika. The political drones, profiteers, prostitutes, and cowards scoot with their tails between their legs from this hooked cross, as the devil does from holy water. On the other hand, the swastika has an irresistible attraction for the kind of daring, bold, devil-may-care, fighting young men we need. In America, most of them are simply quote-unquote nigger-haters because of their pure white man's instinct. When they learn the Jews' part in the disgraceful Negro situation, they become national socialists in minutes. Then it is the work of only months until they also understand the deeper significance, the idealism, and the true aims of the movement. But even more important than these advantages, the blood-soaked swastika has a supernatural effect on Jews. It is, after all, only a few black lines. But it drives the Jews out of their usual sly and calculating frame of mind and makes them hysterical and foolish. To them, it is not just the lines, but the awful threat of ruthless exposure, swift justice, and terrible vengeance which their guilty consciences tell them they richly deserve. It is like a picture of the electric chair to a hunted murderer. A calm, calculating Jew is the most dangerous beast on the face of the earth. By the exercise of his devilish, perverted, but brilliant reason, the Jew has almost mastered all the rest of us. But a hysterical, screaming Jew, out of his mind with hate and fear of punishment for his crimes, is helpless putty in the hands of a calculating National Socialist. We have proved this time and again. 
when the Jewish councils have spent millions of dollars to spread the word among the Jews to ignore us. But the hordes of guilty little sinners can't do it. When they see that swastika and hear us praising Adolf Hitler and describing the gas chambers for traitors, they become screaming, wild, ghetto Jews who have eternally blown up their victories at the last moment by their insane passions of hate and revenge. The result is the lifeblood of a political movement. Publicity. In spite of the Jewish domination of all the media of public information, the parading of swastikas and national socialists in public streets cannot be hidden or ignored without giving the game away. They try to suppress the news, to be sure. But then, too many people realize their press power and censorship. And when the young movement is able to force publication of its existence on the giant national TV networks, in magazines, the press, etc., it serves as a clarion call to the frustrated millions who are looking for such a movement. It is only thus that we have been able to contact thousands of people all over the world who have never before been in any patriot outfit, but couldn't resist the American Nazi Party and the World Union of National Socialists. The swastika and Hitler, far from being millstones, are actually the answer to the eternal problem of the right wing. Money. When you don't have money for paper, meeting halls, etc., as our side never does, you can go into the streets and march and distribute homemade handbills and picket. For nothing. The Jews go wild, attack. And you then have free use of millions of dollars worth of Jewish TV, newspapers, magazines, etc. Of course, you may get bloodied and have to sit in jail a while, recuperating. But this is a small price to pay for the astonishing results. In addition to the free publicity attendant on open operation as a national socialist, you also find that the very audacity of the thing will attract the young fighting men you need, even though they know nothing and care less about the politics of the business. They admire raw courage and daring. Later, when they have come to know the facts a little better, they will fight for ideals and the white man. But until then, these valuable protectors of your free speech will fight just for fun. Above all, the swastika will save you from the fundamental error of the right wing. That sweet reason will change the world and save us from the Jewish tyrants. Reason is still an infant in human affairs, a precious and rare development found in the mutational brains of an infinitesimal minority of Homo sapiens. And even the few geniuses able to exercise genuine, independent reason are almost entirely incapable of acting in accordance with the dictates of that reason which is one of the reasons so many of them end up as failures in a world which does not appreciate them or their reason. It is force, power, strength which rules the world, from the ebb and flow of the tides to the decision of your neighbor to join the rotary. Only a negligible fringe of oddball humans change their mind as a result of being convinced by a superior argument. The overwhelming masses, including the mass of today's intellectuals, change their minds only in order to conform. In other words, the minds of the vast majority always bow to the strongest opinion, the opinion that brings rewards and avoids punishment. The right wing examines its reasons and arguments and facts and finds them true and good, as they are. They then become outraged when the slobs next door cannot see and appreciate this rightness, and very probably throw them out of the house for preaching hate. But this is only as things are. 
The Slavs will hold whatever opinion seems to show the most strength and will to power. They are completely, hopelessly female in their approach to reason and always, always prefer strength to rightness. When they say no to our swastika and national socialism, they are only the eternal female saying no, but meaning if you accept my no, then you are a weakling and have no right to my favors. Let us see if you have the manhood and the strength to make me say yes. They hate us now because we are weak and powerless. All the reason in the world will never make them love us or our ideas in any guise, no matter how we try to sugarcoat them, until we command their respect and admiration for our will, our guts, our force. As stupid as they are, their instincts in smelling force and strength are still pure, and the attempt to sneak National Socialist ideas in the guise of Patriot Leagues and other nice, safe groups very properly repulses them as being the actions of cowards and sneaks. To hell with the sneaky, safer approaches. They get us persecuted every bit as much as the direct, open approach, and they doom us to miserable, sneaking failure every time. If we are to be the last of the white men who conquered the world, if we are finally to be overwhelmed by a pack of rats, let us at least face the death of our race as our ancestors faced their deaths. Like men. Let us not crawl down amongst the rats, begging for mercy, or trying to outsneak them and pretend to be rats ourselves. Let us stand on the scaffold of history, hang if we must, like the martyrs of Nuremberg, tall and proud. Is life so sweet, is comfort so precious, and a job in a Jewish counting house so sacred that we are afraid to grasp the mighty hand reaching down to us out of our glorious past by Adolf Hitler? Again, to hell with sneaking and safety. It is part of the Jews to be sneaky and sly. The genius of our people has ever been joyous strength, robust forcefulness, directness, manly courage, and flaming heroism. When the Jews, with their economic terrorism, jails, bullies, and hangmen, scare the white man into laying down his cudgel and goad him into trying to outsneak Jewish tyranny, the Jews have completely emasculated the once strong white man and doomed him to dishonor and defeat. The white man can never win by sneaking. In the dawn of Nordic civilization, lesser races used to cringe in their rude huts and pray. Lord, save us from the fury of the men of the North. It was that kind of man who built Western civilization. If civilization is now to be saved from the swarms of degenerate Jews, their cannibal accomplices, and their unspeakably depraved liberal friends, it will be that kind of man who saves it. Never sneaks. White man, unite and fight. White man. The same iron blood of your mighty ancestors flows in your veins. The towering figure of Adolf Hitler reaches out a giant hand to lift you up to world-conquering power. You have cringed long enough before pygmies. Now rise. Defy the rats and vermin at your feet. Let them feel the toe and heel of your boot. Stamp them out. You have been sleeping. When you rise and stand up, and the masses once more see what a man of force looks like, they will love you as they now imagine they hate you.
With the spark of National Socialism, struck by Adolf Hitler, burning in your breast, you are unconquerable. In hoc signo vinces. In the sign of the swastika, you will conquer. Join hands with the heroes in America, Britain, Iceland, Denmark, and other white countries who have raised the holy swastika banner and defended it with their blood. It has risen from the ashes of Berlin, and never shall it be hauled down again. Stand with us before the altar of Adolf Hitler and the world-conquering white race, and pledge your life as we have to bring the order and justice of Western white civilization once more into the world. Let us teach the traitors and rats and pygmies once more to cringe in terror in their huts and pray, Lord, save us from the fury of the men of the North. Signed, Lincoln Rockwell, Commander. Signed, Colin Jordan, Deputy Commander. World Union of National Socialists. You've been listening to Part 3, the concluding part of Vanessa Neubauer's reading of George Lincoln Rockwell's In Hoc Signo Vinces. Dr. William Pierce worked to build on Rockwell's legacy and build a new vehicle, a whole new society, to ensure our survival and guide our race's upward course beyond even humanity itself. And this subsequent ongoing work can be studied in our new book, Cosmotheism, Religion of the Future, available for pre-order now at our Cosmotheist bookstore, cosmotheistchurch.org. We thank The New Order online at theneworder.org for keeping Rockwell's works and legacy alive. I'll see you next week, right here at American Dissident Voices.